Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that's the real condition in the end time church. We can serve, we can yell, we can scream, we can holler, and we can look joyful on the outside in the building. But when we go back home, we are depressed, we are sad, we are worried, we are miserable. It's a picture. And today the Lord's going to deliver you. Today the Lord's going to heal. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. The angels are at attention. Praise the Lord. It's time. Turn through in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Revelation, the third chapter. Some scriptures may be on the uh, screens for us to see. Revelation, the third chapter. We're going to start here at verse number 14. Bless you. That was a holy blessing for everybody. Thank you for that sneeze. Everybody gets blessed. Praise the Lord. Revelation, the third chapter, verse number 14 through 22. In my praying and seeking God for you, I'm telling you, I have been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. You ever pray, pray, pray so much that you've got nothing else, to, nothing else to say? All you can do is say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. This is the word that the Lord has given to me that I am so grateful to deliver to you at this time. Revelation 3rd chapter, verses 14 through 22, it reads like this, out of the King James Version. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment and uh, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salves, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, and open the door. I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Wow. This is a statement or a snapshot of the end time church. You know that we're living in the end times at this very moment and that the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is imminent. 
Hallelujah to the glory of God. And while we are waiting upon him, he gives us assignments. While we're waiting upon him, it is easy or it has become easy for the adversary to place stumbling blocks in our way to reprogram our thinking. And we're going to see this today, how this Laodicean church is a symbol of what's happening in today's modern day church. You notice here how the Lord said that this church with these people were neither hot nor cold, but they were lukewarm. They were in the condition of where the Lord said, I feel like you make me sick. He said, I want to spew you out of my mouth. The word spew there in the original language means to vomit. I want to vomit you out of my mouth because of what's going on, because of what you've allowed to happen. And so what we need to guard against is that, yes, we know that this is an indication of the end time church, but we need to make sure that it's not the indication of our hearts. We're going to speak from the subject today of simply God knows my heart. God knows my heart. And I pray that you got your steel toe shoes on today. Because <laughs> we're about to get into it. Hallelujah. You've tuned in to the greatest radio. No, we're going to skip that. God knows my heart. When I hear people say that God knows my heart, God knows my heart, usually it's an excuse for them to do what they want to do and ignore what God wants them to do. You see, here, here, here's the secret. If you look, just keep, look straight ahead, nobody will know that the Lord is talking to you. Just keep looking straight ahead. Usually it's an excuse God knows my heart. God knows why I'm doing this. God knows why I'm doing this. Me and Jesus got our own thing going on. Usually it's an excuse for them to do what they want to do and to ignore, flatly ignore what God says to do. But there are warnings here in Revelation, the third chapter, that we really need to be aware of. Now, it is true that God knows your heart, yes, but you don't know your heart. The Bible declares here in, in uh, 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, 1 Samuel 16, verse number 7, the Bible says that when uh, the Lord sent the prophet Samuel out to Jesse's house to anoint the next king, Samuel takes his horn of oil and he's about to anoint uh, um, uh, David's brothers. And he sees their stature, stature and they, they look really kingly. They're big and they're muscled up. Nothing like me. But they're big and they're muscled up. And, and Samuel said, you know what? This has got to be the king. But the Lord gives him instruction here in verse number 7. He says, 1 Samuel 16, chapter verse 7, he says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, don't judge by his appearance. Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that's the real condition in the end time church. We can serve, we can yell, we can scream, we can holler, 
and we can look joyful on the outside in the building. But when we go back home, we are depressed, we are sad, we are worried, we are miserable. It's a picture. And today the Lord's going to deliver you. Today the Lord's going to heal. Today the Lord's going to set free every captive. Today the Lord's going to open up blind eyes. He's going to open up uh, deaf ears. The, the lame are going to walk. The dead are going to be raised. Hallelujah. And you get to go home free. Glory to the Lamb of God. The Bible declares in Jeremiah. Let's look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17 chapter. Jeremiah 17 verses 10 Verses 9 and 10, look at this, Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10 says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give to I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. If you notice back again in Revelation, uh, Revelation 13, and let's look again at verse number 17. I want you to see something here. He says, because, again, Revelation 3, verse 17, he says, uh, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and notice the very next uh, few words here. He says, and knowest not, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He said, you don't know. They really didn't know. They said, we got plenty of money. We got plenty of stuff. And Laodicean was a very rich community. If we would bring it in today's times, we would probably say it's the, this is the Buckhead Church. And we, you would go into the parking lot and you would see Mercedes and Rolls Royce. They had plenty of money. They had plenty of stuff. But they said, Jesus said, you say that you are rich and that you have need of nothing. But he said, you don't really know the condition of your heart. You don't really know that you are wretched. The word wretched means that you are troubled and afflicted. He said, you're miserable. That is, you are, that is, um, you are depressed, you are sad, you are sorrowful. Don't you realize this? They were using their money to prop up on, and they said in their hearts, we don't need anything. And that anything that they didn't need also included Jesus. You know what's possible to go to church without saying the name of Jesus one time? I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen praise scenes come up before the, for the audience, and they, their praise and worship music could be put in any other religion all around the world. There's nothing. I've seen preachers, ministers. I've looked on YouTube, and I went back and said, I looked 30 minutes into the message. The preacher hadn't said Jesus one time. went back I said look famous look who is he talking about talking about God which one because there are a whole lot of gods in this world there are a whole lot of idols in this world 
You find today's church is full of idolatry. But we love self. We love money. We love, we love our stuff. We love social media. We spend all the time with them. But Jesus, as we see here in the book of Revelation, he's on the outside knocking to get in. That's the sad part. He's on the outside knocking. Why does someone knock? They knock to get your attention. They knock to inform you where they are. Jesus is on the outside, and they're having church on the inside. That reminds me of a, of a little joke I like to tell them every once in a while. There was a man sitting on the outside of a, of a church stoop. And he was crying, he was crying. And Jesus comes up before him and he, and he sits, sits, oh, he comes over to him and he sits down with him and he says, puts his arm around him and he said, what's wrong, son, what's wrong? The man said, they won't let me in the church. Jesus said, don't worry, they won't let me in either. Can you imagine a place so full of idolatry? And the worship of stuff, and the worship of money, the worship of things. They're having church. Remember, Jesus sends the letter to them through the apostle John. This letter says Jesus is on the outside, but y'all been having church on the inside. Jesus is at the door knocking, wants to come in. And you wonder why they are miserable. Why they are wretched? Because Jesus is not there. Now listen, there's, only, there's no middle ground in, the, in this world system. There's no middle ground. Either Jesus is on the inside or, is, or he's on the outside. And if Jesus is not there, who is there with you? It's either you're going to be in light or darkness. It's either heaven or hell. It's either good or it's evil. So if Jesus is not on the inside, then who are they worshiping? Who are they honoring? Who are they serving? When they lift up their hands and say, we love you, Lord, he's on the outside. Who are they loving? You see, this is something very serious. This is a very serious indictment. But not only on the outside of the church, but listen, he was on the outside of their homes. And this is why we struggle at homes, struggling. We have secret sadnesses, and, and we are depressed. We are, and don't you know, we are suicidal. Suicide in this nation, in our world, is one of the highest ways that people actually leaving this world. They're committing suicide. We are depressed, and if I were to, have, if I were to uh, put some sort of, uh, survey out, I would wonder how many of you have had suicidal thoughts in the last third or in the last 30 days. Why is it possible? Because Jesus is on the outside. And because if, if Jesus, our help, is on the outside, if my help is on the outside, then that means I'm struggling on the inside. I'm struggling. I'm struggling, but I thought I was good. So did they. Jesus warns him in a letter. Hey, y'all, I'm here. Would you let me in? 
He said, if you let me in, I'd come in and I, I'd sup with you. I would, I would dine with you if you just let me in. I would dine with you. We would sit together. We would sit together. And he said, you know what? This is what I want for you. I want for you to sit with me in my throne. I want for you to overcome and sit with me in my throne just like I overcame and sat with my father in his throne. I want you to come up higher, and I want you to help me rule this thing for an eternity. Hallelujah. I want to show you great, greater, and mightier things, but we got to come away from that. You got to start by letting me in. But we can be so self-deceived and think that things are one way and they're not and we can be in a whole lot of dangers. Matter of fact, we can be in Matthew 7 type of danger. Matthew 7, verses 21 uh, through 23. Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. I want you to see this. We can be in this type of danger. And this is real danger because people will be in this spot. Look at this. Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. It says this out of the King James Version. Matthew 7. 21 through 23 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say, he says many, many will say, and I prefer that that many not include you or me. He says many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them. Oh. And then Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I don't know you. It's fine if everybody here forgets my name, forgets what I look like. It's fine. It's, it's, it's totally fine. I get it. But if Jesus tells you, I never knew you. Who are you? We got a big problem. And so their hearts were deceived. They thought they were really serving. They were probably really giving. They were probably really living. But the true reality, the reality was that Jesus was on the outside. Knocking on the door. I can see the Lord looking through the windows. Would you let me in? Knocking means a striking over and over and over again to get someone's attention. And the Lord may knock through circumstances and, and situations to let you know that he's not there, to let you know, hey, you need me. You need me. You need me. You say, Lord, I don't have the money for this. Lord, I don't have the money for that. You need me. You need me. You can hear us knocking through, uh, through challenges in life. You need me. But they said, we don't need anything. We're good. We're good. Hang with me. I need to put a camera up here so I can show you your faces. <laughs> whoo, some of y'all, whoo. Are you still with me today? Have you gone home yet? 
Because when we put Jesus in this proper place in our lives, guess what? We won't be miserable. We won't be wretched. We won't be blind, poor, always in need. Are you hearing? We've got to make sure you say, I need clarification. I need the Holy Spirit to give me clarification. Is Jesus in here with me or not? I need to know. I need to know. I need to know. I've got to know. I've got to know. And so there are three ways I'll give you. Then we begin to close just shortly. Three ways that I want to give you to so that you can pinpoint the position of your heart. Because they were deceived. They thought things were fine. But Jesus sent them a letter that no, 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 you're actually not. There are three ways that the Lord gives us really to pinpoint your heart, letting you know where it is. The first way is through your mouth. The Lord says that in the Bible, he says that out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. You can find that there in Matthew, the 12th chapter. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. Whatever it's in your heart, your mouth is going to say it. If you secretly hate me, after a while, you're going to say it. Nobody can tame the tongue. If it's in there, it's going to come out. You know how you feel about Christ? Just listen. You say, well, I can't really hear the words I say. Well, just ask the people that live with you. They'll tell you. They will, they'll, they'll tell you. One way for you to know where your heart is is, with, is, what, uh, is what comes out of your mouth. Secondly, the second way for us to know is through your actions, what you do. In the book of James, the second chapter, the Bible talks about faith without works is dead. You say you have faith, but we haven't done anything. That shows you your heart as well. And the third way we can know where our heart is, is how we handle a five-letter word. Now, some of you may want to get your purse down and get ready. How we handle a five-letter word. Use your key fob to turn your car on now. You ready? I don't see nobody getting your keys out. How we handle this five-letter word, this five-letter word, will show you where your heart is. It will help pinpoint. It's like a GPS on your heart. And it was actually one of the problems in the, in the Laodicean church. Do you want to know where your heart is? How do you handle your money? There it is, that five-letter word, money. Heard one man say, uh, yeah, you can, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll play with you. I'll do some that and the other, but don't mess with my money. Don't mess with my money. Turn your name and tell them, don't mess with my money. People die from money. Marriages end in divorce because of money. Best friends become best enemies over money. The love of money is the root of all evil. How you handle money will help to determine where your heart is with God. Let's look at this, Matthew 6, chapter, Matthew 6, 21. Hold on with me. Matthew 6, verse 21. Matthew 6, 21, very strong, one single verse. It says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wherever you put your treasure, 
We'll see where your heart is. I don't have no money for this and that. I see you driving it. I don't have no money for this and that. But I see it on your hair and in your. I don't have no money for that. Wearing them stilettos. Oh, we got money. But wherever your money is, there's your heart. Nothing wrong with looking good. Look good, sister. Look good, brother. No problem with that. No problem with fancy house, fancy car. Have one. Hallelujah. But just don't lie to yourself when it comes to Christ. That's what we're trying to shake you and to get you to see. Because Jesus said once again, where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart is there too. Don't lie to yourself. He said, I need to change that. I think we do need to change that. If we intend to be with him, remember the position of your wealth determines, again, the position of your heart. And this world system is collapsing, if you haven't noticed. The economy is collapsing all around us, if we haven't noticed. Stock market is going up and down, up and down, up and down. It's very volatile. The housing market that I hear is crashing. The crashing is imminent. And all these things is very volatile, very volatile. Why would you put your trust in that system and not put your trust in the kingdom of God? Money is an idol. This is why Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. Either you will be devoted to one and despise the other, or you will hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve God and money. And when you say that, if you feel your heart recoiling, then you know where Jesus is. Be honest. Be honest. If you feel your heart recoiling, I knew I shouldn't come today. They're going to talk about money. I knew I shouldn't come. I knew I shouldn't. I want to keep my money. You understand? That your trust is in money and not in Christ. It doesn't matter how much money you have. I've noticed some people, they had a lot of money, but when I went to their bedside to pray with them, it didn't matter how much money they had. And I pray with a, a lot of people over the years, over the 30 plus years. And I've never found the first person on their deathbed that I prayed with that said, look at how much money I got in my checking account. Because the Bible says very plainly, you brought nothing into this world and it's certain you will take nothing out. Never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. There's one lady, her husband made a promise on, on his deathbed and he said, honey, she said, yes, baby, honey, when I go, I want you to put all my money in the casket with me. You need to promise me, honey. Promise me. Promise me. And she looked at him like he done lost his mind. But he made a promise. Yes, yes, yes. I don't want you to go. Yes. 
So the day of the funeral came. And her relatives asked her, are you really going to do that? Are you really going to put that money in that casket? She said, yes, I'm going to honor my husband's request. And looked at her like she had lost her mind. Are you really going to do that? She said, yes, I'm going to honor my husband's request. And so just before they closed the casket, she reached in and she put in a piece of paper and they closed it. They said, what'd you do? I wrote him a check. She honored his request. Let's see him cash it. She wrote the full amount. Homegirl said, I got to live beyond today. You can't take it with you. You're not going to take it with you. You can't. Your eternal destiny is in view. What will you be doing when you overcome? You're going to sit with Jesus on his throne. You're going to reign with him forever. God has so many riches and blessings that you have never seen before. We have not even touched the tip of this. What God wants to do in you and through you. But we're tied down by our thoughts of money and stuff. And the devil has so cleverly woven that into our society and into our thinking. And we think if we don't have money, then I'm unsecure. I am unsafe. Money will save me and money will not. Let me give you two examples, then we're going to close out. My second closing. Young rich ruler comes to the Lord. He says, good master, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Or say, well, you know the commandments. He said, yeah, yeah, I've done all that. I've kept all those from my youth up. But I, what am I lacking? Jesus said, uh-huh. He looked at him and he loved him. He said, there's one more thing you lack. What is it? Sell all you have and give it to the poor. I don't think so. The Bible says the man went away sorrowful. Was Jesus trying to make the man poor? No, he was trying to get him to shift financial systems. Not to trust in the unrighteous mammon, but to trust in the kingdom of God. Don't you know the word of God says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shedding heaven, running over, shall men given to your bosom. Don't you know the word says that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken, neither see begging bread. The, the Lord was about to set him up, set him up, set him up, but he declined the offer. And he continued with crumbs. Crumbs. There was a, a time also in Scripture in Mark, I believe in Mark the 11th chapter or Mark 12th chapter, when Jesus was sitting, at the, sitting in the temple there, and he was sitting beside the offering containers there as people. He was looking to see how people cast their money in. As a matter of fact, let's look at that. I want to see that. Let's go to Mark 12. We'll see this for my third closing. Are you still there? Mark 12, verse, e, verse uh, 41 through 44. Look at this. 
And it says, and Jesus sat over, the, again, this is Mark 12, verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how? Somebody say how. Not what. He beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. He didn't behold what. He beheld how. Their heart. Look at verse 42. And there came a certain widow woman, and she threw in two mites, which make a, a, a furthing. And he called, his, he called unto him his disciples, come here, boys, come here. And saith unto them, verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast money into the treasury. Now, if you go back into Bible times, you see that this is very startling. They would have these money buckets or these money containers, and some would be brass or some other type of material. And when they cast money into it, coins into it, it made a ting, 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 ting sound. So when the rich went over and they had all these coins, gold and silver, what have you, and they put it in there, ting, 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 they could say, yeah, ting, ting, ting. I put in a lot of money. People are like, oh, man, he must be rich. He's loaded. Look, look how generous he is. Ding, ding-a-ling, 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 ding-a-ling. Ding, ding ling 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 Ding, ding, ling, ling, ling. But this little widow comes with her two mites. Jesus said, I tell you, she has put in more than they all. How is that, Lord? Let's look at it. Let's look further. Uh, yeah, verse 44. For they, for all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all, all that she had, even all her living. In other words, she was saying through hers, Lord, I trust you. This is all I have. I'm depending on you. This was her heart. Bless you and bless everybody in Jesus' name. Courtesy of brother over there. She was saying it with her giving, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I'm leaning on you. I'm relying on you. I trust you, Jesus. The others were simply just giving out of the abundance. Can you imagine you being a billionaire and you come into a church and you say, here's $10,000. We say, woo, But Jesus say, hmm, that's unremarkable. You have billions. And you give here. He said, that's unremarkable. Their heart is not in their giving. Their heart was still propped up on their wealth. They were saying, money will save me. But she said, Jesus will save me. Your heart must be in your giving. And I'm going to say this in my fifth closing, I think. I think this is number five. Look at 2 Corinthians. We just saw this a moment ago. 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, 2 Corinthians 9. I want to read this to you. I've amplified Bible. Are y'all still with me today? Are you still here? 
2 Corinthians 9, verse 11, rather, verse 9. Listen to this out of the Amplified Bible. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 and 8 out of the Amplified Bible reads like this. Let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose, just as he has decided in his what? In his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in him and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. So what should we do? Let's go back to the very beginning in my sixth closing. The very beginning, Revelation 3. The Lord said, I, y'all don't know it, but I'm actually on the outside. I'm actually on the outside, and I want to come in. The Lord tells him what to do. He says, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried of the fire or tried in the fire. He said, buy it from me. How do you, in other words, he says, I want you to exchange. Use your money to buy my gold. Exchange your wealth for mine. He says, I want to clothe you. Let me be your righteousness. And he says, I want to anoint your eyes, anointing talks about his Holy Spirit. I want you to see through the Spirit. He said, I want you to repent. I want you to know who and what you really are, that you come out of the misery and pain that you're in. This is our time. This is our moment. So if anything that the Lord has ministered to you, out of those three things, what we're saying and what we're doing. If we're saying the wrong things, then what we need to do, we need to put the word of God in us. We need to meditate on his word because if it's in us, it's going to come out of us. So let's put the right things in us. And if we're not doing the things, maybe you said you're going to volunteer, but maybe you never did show up. It's time to get off of our dusty, rusty, and let's go and volunteer. Let's give up our time. And if it's about money, then we just need to give. We just need to give. But if any of that makes you draw back and recoil, do you know what that means? We're propped up on something else and not on Christ. It is unfortunate that people will decide to serve money, serve things, and not Jesus. I would want to live on this world, in this planet, on this planet, not one moment without Christ. Not one second without him. And I want to urge you today, if you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, then today is that day to do that. If you say, I need to repent, I've, I've messed up in my life, and I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord, I realize that Jesus is on the outside, and I want him to come on the inside of my heart, and I need him to help me. Don't you know Jesus said he would do that? The thing that he told us to do is open the door. Once the door is open, he'll come in and help you with all these things. 
It's like telling a toddler, hey, go in there and clean up your room. It's not going to end up too well. I guarantee you they're going to miss a few things, a lot of things. There's no way possible for you to clean up your own life. It's just not possible. It's like trying to wash a car with a dirty bucket of water and mud. It cannot happen. You cannot clean your own self up. You're going to need Jesus to do that. And what do you do? You open the door and let him in. Truly let him in. Nobody can do that for you but you. Nobody can open the door to Christ, open the door to the answer but you. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to be miserable. You don't have to be sad and you don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be dejected and rejected. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. Jesus says, let me in. Let me in. If you would let him in today, I promise you that he'll help you through all these different changes in your life. But let's be real with him because he is indeed real with you. He loves you more than you could ever think or imagine. He really does love you. And he's concerned about you. So this is your moment to decide won't embarrass anybody and all that stuff. If, with all heads bowed right now and every eye closed, if all heads bowed, every eye closed, if you and the saints are interceding, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your, of your life, if you realize that your life has made the wrong turn, you realize that Jesus is on the outside and you've been depending on other things and not him, then the word of God has pricked you to your heart and you realize you need Jesus. If that's you, then my goodness, turning to Christ is the best decision that you will ever make. I'm not talking about church membership, although this is a very wonderful church to be a part of. I'm talking about your eternal destiny. Is Jesus on the outside? If that's you today and you realize that he's on the outside, or you say, I don't know, I don't know where Jesus is, I don't know but I sure would like to sit down with him. If that's you today, you don't know or, or you know he's not where he should be in your life, I want you to raise your hand up right now. We won't embarrass you. Just raise your hand up right now. We will pray with you, one. We'll pray with you in Jesus' name, two. In Jesus' name, three, four. Just go ahead and raise them up. You can put them back down, five. In the name of Jesus, six. We're going to pray with you in Jesus' mighty name. I believe seven and eight, nine. If you realize today that you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, like the Laodicean church, then I want you to pray with me at this time in Jesus' mighty name. I want everybody to pray with me. And if you want to come to the altar as we pray, you can do that in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we come to you in Jesus' mighty name. A broken church. Lord, we have not done all the things that you have asked us to do. And Father, we repent. We repent, Lord, for trusting in things, for trusting in money, for trusting in numbers. 
We repent, Lord God, for trusting on job and trusting in spouses and in relationships. We've trusted in so much and we've not trusted in you. So, Father, we ask that you would forgive us. We repent. And we ask that Jesus would be the Lord of our lives. We say, come in, Lord Jesus. We say, come in, Lord Jesus. Come in. Come in. Come in and fill every space of us. Come in and fill every place. Come into my home, into my marriage, into my relationship, on the job, in my finances. Come, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Fill us once again with your precious Holy Spirit that we may serve you in these last and evil days. We want to sit with you in your throne just like you sat with your father in his throne we want to be overcomers and we want to be ready when you come for your church forgive us lord of our our idolatry wash us clean with your precious blood we thank you lord for serving but for saving us we thank you for empowering us to serve. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We give you praise today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen to the glory of God. Amen. You made it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's greet your one for pastor by saying praise the Lord as he comes. Hallelujah. Well, we pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.